dream alive Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Feel the darkness shaking All the dead are coming back to life I'm back to life Hear the song awaken All creation singing we're alive so glad to have you here with us today. Make sure you get each other's name.
No fear of condemnation By faith I'm justified And I will rise I will rise As Christ was raised to life Now in Him Now in Him I worshiping and praising Jesus. Christ is enough for you. Did you know that? Can you repeat that with me? Christ is enough. Say it again. Christ is, one more time. Christ is enough. I want you to claim that. I want you to believe that, that if you have Christ, he is enough for everything that you have to go through in life. Amen.
announcements that we'd like to share with you today. We're thankful for all that God has been doing here at the church and, uh, and, and moving mightily here and some of the new things that have been happening. But before I get to that, please pass the friendship folder, please. We certainly appreciate that. Um, some of, there's a lot of new things that are happening. God is doing new things and working mightily in people's lives. And one of those new things is our life groups. We've, we've launched life groups this fall. And uh, there are about 80 people that have signed up already to be in a life group. And I know that others are interested in. And, and so God is moving and doing a lot of new things here. But one of those life groups uh, is, uh, is going to be led by uh, Brian and Audra Gamender. And they have a special, uh, special interest in a life group. So I want them to come up. Would you welcome Brian and Audra Gamender as they share with us about an opportunity? Good morning. Um, by a show of hands, how many of us at some point in our lives have needed some type of encouragement, whether it be for a physical illness or a spiritual matter, financial matters, um, regardless of what the situation is? How many of us at some point of our lives needed encouragement? Okay. Now, how many of us have known somebody else 
that has needed some type of encouragement. Okay. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I can't believe you all are lying in church. But, no, the truth of the matter is that uh, every one of us needs encouragement from time to time. Um, We go through seasons in life where, you know, we're in the valleys and we just need somebody to come alongside us, um, you know, encourage us, lift us up in prayer. Um, So that's kind of what we're looking to do. Um, And I'll let my wife, Audra, tell you a little more about what we're doing and why it's so important to us. Uh, Good morning. Uh, About two and a half years ago, I had uh, been diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, through the many surgeries and 16 chemo treatments and everything, um, lasted about a year and a half, um, it was a real blessing to be able to receive cards of encouragement from people. Um, And through that process, we realized even as a family um, how much that only wasn't important for me going through that, but for Brian as a, as a caregiver, um, my kids, um, you know, their lives were completely um, thrown into oblivion um, with me having to, uh, I wasn't able to cook because um, I wasn't allowed to lift things, um, pots or anything like that. So we had to, my friends were coming over to cook and bring food, and my friends were coming over to clean, and so it was a little bit different for my family to, um, to experience. And so it was very important for all of us to be receiving that in- encouragement that was really needed through that. But it's not only physical things that people need encouragement through. So um, I'd like you to think outside the box. You all are going to be involved in being able to um, give us information. And in your bulletins today is a, a little um, insert that you can fill out. You can fill it out today. You can fill it out next week, whenever, and and get it to uh, an appropriate box. But for people that you may know or yourself that may need encouragement, and then what we're going to do is collect those, and uh, we'll be praying over those people that are on there and sending them cards, maybe making visits if we need to or phone calls. And um, But, you know, as I was saying, think outside the box a little bit. It may be um, if there's a you know, a family situation where the children need encouraged going through divorces, um, anything like that, children being bullied at school, um, maybe something they've excelled in that you want them to be recognized for, we're willing to do that. Um, financial issues, um, maybe you, you come here and your spouse doesn't and you want us to get them a card, let them know they're missed. Um, teens, uh, young adults off to college, just think outside the box a little bit because there's so many reasons why people need encouraged and um we're willing to do that and and hoping the lord leads this ministry for his glory and um so did i miss anything oh yeah that's right if you want to join us <laughs> we're going to be meeting at nine thirty on sunday mornings for first service um in 207 and um so if you want to come and join us we'd be glad to have you and uh bring a box of cards and maybe some stamps or something like that. And we're going to, we have, you know, already some lists of people we're going to send cards to and we'll go over all that then. But, um, if, if you don't feel that you have the, the gift of encouragement or that you at least want to be involved, because really I don't have a gift of encouragement. Truthfully, I don't, I just know that what it meant to me and what I think it would mean to a lot of people to know that they're being prayed for. And, um, so, if you want to come and join us, you're more than welcome to. We're going to be there every Sunday. And um, so that's what we're doing. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. They'll be meeting eight, room 8207 at 930. So if you'd like to come and do that before you come to the service, that'll be great. And uh, it's going to be exciting. I saw many people from the first service were already filling out those papers to how that uh, other people could be encouraged. So if you want to do that today, take your orange paper, put it in the offering plate or in the offering box on the back wall as you leave today. And uh, so we have life groups are kicking off. God is doing great things there. Wednesday night, this week, we're going to have our trunk and treat out here. And if you'd like to serve, you can go online, crossroadsministries.com forward slash trunk and treats, uh, TNT serve. And uh, you, can, you can sign up to serve or stop by the table in the back and, uh, and you can... Fill out your form back there, and you'll be able to serve, hand out candy. 
Uh, and we're doing that just so we have a, a safety control, so we know who's coming, who's handing out the candy. So that is this Wednesday here at 6.30. That's uh, an exciting time. And then I'm holding in my hand here, this is the uh, Operation Christmas Child. These boxes, and um, there are about 100 or so boxes left. Well, our goal is 500 boxes as a church this year. Uh, if you go outside, go out the foyer to the right, you'll see Sarah Daly's there with a table set up. She'll give you all kinds of ideas. She's so creative, has a, has a lot of information how you can actually fill these boxes. And, uh, and you, you fill them up, bring them back on November 13th through the 20th. That'll be our collection days, November 13th through the 20th. And uh, we're going to collect these and we'll send them on. And you're going to help make a child's Christmas around the world, but not just Christmas. We're going to help give them Christ. As, uh, as they open these boxes, there's churches that are working with them overseas and, and around, all around the world. One of our uh, friends was just here, Fernando Bassler, and he was talking about in Ecuador how they hand these out and what a powerful time it is as they hand them out and people are coming to Christ. So this is an open door for people to come to Christ. So I want to encourage you, take a box or two or three and uh, see what God will do. And you can even track the box. You can, you can, uh, you can get it for a boy or a girl insider's information how that you can track the box and uh, you can know where your box will end up uh, you, after the fact you'll find out your box ended up in ecuador or in africa or in china or wherever they wherever it's gone you'll be able to track that so we're thanking god for that for these opportunities uh, that he's given us as a church and then coming up in just a few weeks we're going to be launching our birthday gift to jesus uh, no, the first sunday in november is going to be our launch of the birthday gift to jesus offering and uh, that is over and above our tithes and offerings as we support missionaries around the world. And our goal this year is $80,000. So uh, a lot of people say, a lot, of, a lot of new people say, well, how do we do that uh, on such a short notice? A lot, of, a lot of our people have been praying and thinking about this. And, and uh, every year at Christmas, we try to give an offering above and beyond our, our regular tithe and offering over a 10-week span. And we give it to these, to these missionaries and we help these missionaries around the world. So next week, we'll start to give you that information about who we'll be supporting this year and, uh, and continuing to support from last year and uh, what a privilege it is to be on the giving end. So at this time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our, our morning offering. And as they come forward, let's just prepare our hearts to give to the Lord, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're doing here in this place. God, we, uh, we ask now that uh, as we return a portion of what you've given to us, Lord, that you'd be honored, that you'd be glorified, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you've given to us. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for our sin and coming back to life again, that we may have eternal life. And God, I know that uh, as we give to you, we just say thank you. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. 
if we could if we could begin with dependence. So today I want to talk about winning of dependence. We're going to look at each of these four areas, but the biggest area that we've got to start, if we do not start and end with dependence, we don't win. Uh, that's the losing life. If we start going to the results, and this is what happens so many times, we come after this first. We chase after this as if there are no other bases. We chase after this as if, if dependence on God was not an issue, as if personal integrity were not an issue, as if others didn't matter. We chase after this. But in the meantime, God says, I want you to start with me. I want you to start with dependence. And there's, there's a, a tremendous breaking of our will. Uh, a lot of brokenness has to happen for us to come to that point where we are depending on him. Not where I'm asking him to do my will, but where I'm coming to him and depending on him for his will. Um, and so dependence today. We're going to look at, at uh, Joseph's father. His name is Jacob. If you have your Bible, you can turn over to Genesis 25, verse 23. Genesis 25, 23 is where we're going to begin. We're going to look at a few thoughts here this morning from the life of Jacob. Uh, there was, uh, if just, just going through the lineage, you look at, there was Abraham. God had given the promise to Abraham that he would make him a great nation. And then after Abraham, we have his son Isaac. And then Isaac gives birth to two sons, Jacob and Esau. And so Jacob is the, the, the fellow that we're picking up with here today. So let's look at what the, God told to his mother when she was pregnant with him. When his mother was pregnant with Jacob and Esau, the Lord said to, the, said to him, Genesis 25, 23, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And so what she said, what, what, the, what the Lord's saying is, hey, listen, you're, you're going to give birth to two boys and there's going to be a tremendous amount of competition. The younger one, the one that comes out last, they're, they're twins, but the one that comes out last, he is always going to be in competition and the older one is going to end up serving the younger brother. Now, you know, this happens when you have boys to begin with, right? There's always competition. Now, you have family, multiple siblings. There's always competition. But these guys had competition from day one. As a matter of fact, if you go in and you start reading, you'll see, that, you'll see that whenever Jacob was born, so Esau comes out first, and then Jacob comes out, and it says that the hand of Jacob was on the heel of Esau. He came out. Now, I could just visualize that. You know, I, I've been there for the birth of my children. We had one at a time, right? Uh, could you imagine being there and seeing two children come out and one comes out grasping already at the other brother? He already has this incredible uh, comp- competitive spirit, this, uh, this go-getting spirit. As a matter of fact, Jacob, his name means heel catcher, okay? You could translate that better. He's a go-getter. And all of, li- all of Jacob's life, he became a heel catcher. He became a go-getter. He was always striving. He's always pushing forward. And he's making his move to get better and to be successful. But it's very interesting to me that from day one, from the very time that he's born, that uh, that, that happens. As you read the account of Jacob, you see that Jacob ends up doing everything that he could do to get ahead. Uh, one, uh, of one of the notable stories in Jacob's life was whenever he, uh, he conned his brother Esau out of the birthright. Uh, in, in their culture, the birthright would be the, the passing on of generations. He, he'd be favored from his dad and, uh, and, and, to, and to be able in uh, the big inheritance. Getting him, he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. And then he, Joseph, I'm sorry, then Jacob tricks his father into giving Esau into giving him Esau's blessing. So you have two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And Esau comes out first. Esau's a man who's a hairy man. I mean, he's just filled with fur. Whenever you got around, whenever you got around Esau, you knew that he was a, a, a very hairy creature. And then when you got around Jacob, you knew that he was not near as hairy as his brother. And so you had these two, and they, and they were vastly different. The one, Esau said that he was, he was into hunting. He would like to go hunt and, and, and game uh, and, and catch wild game, all right, and, and bring in the food. And, but it says of Jacob that Jacob liked to stay in his tent and think a lot. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? 
that here's Jacob, he was the thinker, and the other one was the hunter, and they're two different boys, and so the competition continues. And, uh, but now, here comes Jacob, and he is about ready to, to take away the blessing that belongs to Esau. Genesis 27, 18. So he went in to his father and said, Father, my father. And, he, and his father replied, Here I am. Who are you, my son? I, Isaac is at the end of life. He can barely see. His, his, his vision is pretty much blind at this point. And so the son comes in and, uh, and he says, Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn son. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may be blessed. Isaac had told Jacob, Isaac had told Esau to go out and gather some game for he was going to bless him. He was ready to give the end of his life blessing to Esau. The mother had heard heard this. She remembers what the angel had told her. She remembers that the Lord said that you are going to have uh, two children and the younger is going to be is going to be the one who's going to win, uh, that the older brother will serve the younger brother. So she comes in, and, uh, and, and she goes out to, to Jacob and says, Jacob, listen, your father is about ready to bless your brother. And as a matter of fact, he sent him out to go hunting so that he may bring him a good meal, and then he's going to bless him. So here's what we're going to do. I have some food. We'll cook it. I'll make you a, a, a nice meal that will be very similar to what he would be bringing in from the field. And while your brother's out hunting, you go in and get the blessing. You take the meal and you go before your father. And he replies to his mother, but how can that be? Uh, Everybody knows that Esau's much hairier than I am. uh, And and dad will surely be able to feel that. She says, oh, just put on his clothing. Let's just take some of his clothing that that, that has all the fur, probably from the very game that Esau had had went out and hunted. And so so he, he comes in. And he didn't have to do that. Listen, just because his mother was setting him up, he didn't have to do that. But here's what happened. Jacob saw results. Jacob saw that he could gain the favor. See, he really wanted God's result in his life. It was a good thing that he desired. But he was about ready to do something very bad to get it. And this would be the characteristic of his life. That all life long, he would be jumping and he would be chasing after something the wrong way. Now, God had a plan for him. And we're going to look at that plan here. But I want you to see this, that he comes before his father, and so he lies to his father, his blind father. He lies to him. He says, I am Esau, your firstborn son. I've done what you told me. Now sit up and eat, that you may bless me. Jump down to uh, Genesis 27, verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me. Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. And blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of, the, of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. But uh, be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. So Jacob has come and he has run instead of starting at home base. I don't even think he started at home base at this point. He ran to third. He said, I want the result. I want the favor. I want this so bad that I'm going to do whatever it takes. And let me tell you, he did whatever it takes. And this was the characteristic of of Jacob's life. Because Jacob, he actually lost with others. He lost, with his brothers, he lost with his brother Esau for sure to the point that Esau wanted to kill him. He lost within his personal integrity. When he looked in the mirror, he was not happy with the person he was seeing. Um, because, uh, because Now, he got this. He certainly won after third base, and he's getting the blessing. But look at the price that he pays. Look at the price that he pays. He goes out, and his brother is ready to kill him. And isn't that what we do? So many times in our life, we ask God to bless what we're doing instead of asking, instead of doing what God 
blesses. You see, here's what he did. He came here and he said, I'm going to get that result. God, you've got to bless me. In the meantime, God wants us to become the person he wants us to be. And he wants you to do the things that he blesses. He doesn't want, you, he doesn't want us to come to him and say, God, here's my way. Will you bless my way? He wants you to come to him and say, Lord, I'm following your way. I will do as you say. And Lord, whatever you say, I will trust you. I will, I will bless your name. See, that's dependent. Dependence would have allowed the brother to have gotten the blessing and see what God was going to do. God had his hand. Now, there's the grace of God that interacts with us. The grace of God, God's favor upon us. And God had a promise. So God had made this promise to Abraham. He made the promise to Isaac. And now look what happens. Jacob flees. He's running from his brother. As he runs and flees for his life from his brother, in Genesis 28, verse 13, he, uh, he, he, has, a, he has a connection with God. And God speaks to him. This was uh, the famous dream, Jacob's ladder. And, uh, and he says here in verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it. The Lord is above the ladder. He had this dream of the, of the ladder that went from his pillow up into, up into the heavens. And he, he sees at the top of the ladder is God. And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. I am the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. You see, God was going to follow through with his promise even though... He ran the wrong direction. Even though... Now, now this excites me about the character of God because God keeps his promise even when you don't. And as a matter of fact, as I look through Scripture, I see that God keeps his promise and it's never reliant on whether you did what you said you would do or whether you didn't. God is still God. He keeps his promise. He follows through. And in this instance, he kept his promise big time. So, so Jacob couldn't say that he earned third base. Jacob ran to third base, and God was about ready to take him around the clock here. He's ready, ready to take him around the field and teach him a few other lessons. But look what he says to him. He says, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, and your, uh, in you your offspring, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God says, I promised it to your grandfather, to your father, and I'm following through on with you. The promise continues with you, even though. And I want you to look at your life this morning. There may be some even those right here in your life. Maybe you're saying, man, you know, there was time that I was, I was really depending on God. There was times that I was winning over here, and maybe you abandoned winning over here and went right over to third, even though it didn't, we didn't do the right way, even though God still overrides that. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to go down to third base. You don't, nobody hits the ball and runs the third base. That's how you get out. This is a painful route that he went. So let's take the route that God says, hey, let's go from home base to first, to second, to third. Let's learn the lessons of life, the lessons that God is teaching us and transforming us. You see, he wants us to learn dependence upon him. And that's what he's telling him. He's telling Jacob here, he says, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. You don't have to strive anymore is what he says. He's saying you don't have to be the hill catcher. You don't have to be the go-getter. You don't have to do it. I am with you. I'm going to follow through on my promise. Now look at Genesis 28, 21. Look at how he responded. Jacob responds to this discussion with God. He says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if, interesting, isn't it? If God be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and if he will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. If, God, you do your part, then I'll worship you, God. Now, this is a dangerous ground, isn't it? Because he basically comes to God and says, God, 
as long as you'll give me food, as long as you'll do my basics, then you're my God. But let me ask you this. What if God doesn't do the basics? What if? What if God, and here's, here's where Jacob was at. Jacob was still trying to get the result. He's actually coming to God now and saying, okay, God, I know you're there. You've told me you're there, but as long as you do this, I'll do this. Sometimes we've all been there in life, haven't we? We come to that point where we make a deal with God. You know, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And, and so God wants us to not be into deal-making with him. And some people question whether this was even a deal. Some people say that that word, if, I've looked at some commentators, they say the word if it could really be translated since, since God will be with me. So, but I want you to catch this. When we come before God and we ask God to bless our way, he's not, we can't ask him to bless the wrong way, right? And I don't even know that we're supposed to ask him to bless the right way. We're supposed to depend on him. Because we are moving, we're moving forward, we're going forward in faith. And God is drawing a picture of your life. If you can see this, God is drawing a picture of your your life. um, Ephesians 2.10, God says that you are my masterpiece. We talked about that just a few weeks ago. God is orchestrating your life. He, He is drawing the picture. And when I come to this point of dependence, I'm trusting God that he can draw the picture of my life better than I can. I'm trusting that it doesn't look the way I thought it was going to be. You know what? If, I were to, if you were to look at your life, and if I were to share with you my life this morning, the results of my life, I would say I have not achieved the results that I thought that I was going to achieve. And you probably would too. You would say there were goals, there were different things that you had that you didn't make. But in the meantime, God is doing something that is far bigger than what you could imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Now, I want you to think about that because when the results in your life aren't happening the way that you want them to, what do we do? We strive to get those results. In the meantime, God may be having something that is far bigger in your life than you can imagine. There's something that you can't see, something that may impact generations beyond the time that you're here, and it didn't happen according to the results that you were looking at. Jacob, Jacob's response, he says, oh, I've heard from you, God, and now here's the deal. If you do your part, then you'll be my God. And you know what? Sometimes we're the same way. Matthew 6, says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He says, I will provide for you. I'll be your provider. I'll take care of your basic needs. And what happens? We get out there, and, uh, and we get more concerned about my basic needs. I get more concerned about my results. So, for example, let's say this. You, you think that every Christian ought to have steak for dinner, right? You say, man, we ought to have a nice big steak because we're God's children. And in the meantime, God says, I'm giving you macaroni and cheese. And look at the difference of the result. You see the analogy? And so what we do, we come chasing after this. When God says, I want you to chase after this. I want you to chase after me. Now think about that. Does your life describe chasing after God? Chasing after dependence on him. Depending on who he is. Learning his character, knowing him, and trusting him to work in your life. This is why that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is so important. Because he says that to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that when, when my mind, see the world system says, let's run this way. The world's way of thinking says, go from home. You don't even have to hit home. Just go right to third. Win, 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 win. In the meantime, you've lost the game. You've lost everything else because unless you touch all the bases, you're not going to be able to score. And so we've got to start here. Start. If we start and end with God, your life is transformed. You are making, you will be hitting the full, complete life that he talks about over in John 10.10. Now, uh, Genesis 32, Jacob finds himself in a wrestling match. Let's fast forward. It's 20 years later. Jacob's life is, uh, has gone through a lot. He has, uh, he has worked for a wife. He worked seven years for a, for a woman. Uh, his father-in-law, Laban, said, okay, you can have my daughter if you'll work seven years. He goes in and he works seven years, and uh, what happens? He gets tricked and says, all right, sorry, you're going to get my other daughter. 
I know you really want this daughter, but you're going to come back and you're going to work another seven years to get the daughter you really want. So the very trickery that he used was used upon him. And now he comes up and uh, he's, had, he's had all this trickery, trying to get ahead. Sometimes he's made it ahead. Sometimes, like with Isaac, he made it ahead. But sometimes he didn't make it ahead, like with Laban. And, uh, and so here he comes over here. He's heading back in Genesis chapter 32. He's heading back. He's ready to make his journey back home. And he's going to come back and he's going to see Esau. Esau has 400 men that are ready to kill him. And as he thinks about that, 400 men ready to kill him, he is fearful. He has a lot of fear. So he's coming back, and in the middle of the night, look at the encounter that he has with God once again. Genesis 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That man is God. Uh, This was a manifestation of God right here. In verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... Uh, He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, see the picture here. Jacob is wrestling with God all night long. I think sometimes we do that, don't we? We wrestle with God because the results are not as we thought they would be. The results are not the way I thought this should go. As a matter of fact, God, I don't understand. I thought this is what you wanted. Do you realize many of the times the, the results that, we, that really mess us up are good things? They're things that please God, and they're not happening the way that we want them to happen. See, what's happening at that moment? God is teaching us dependence. He's taking us to his school of dependence. And may I say that nobody signs up to go to the school of dependence. Nobody signs up and says, could I go to the school of being broken today? Could I have something that will just break my spirit to the point where I trust you, Lord? No. God teaches us that. And he takes each one of us in different times of our life. But our job is to come and start to to look to him and learn that we can depend on him now. I don't have to wait for something negative to happen in my life. And so look what happens here. When the man saw that that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob's wrestling God. Jacob, so he thought, had pinned God, right? He thought that he was going to fight him all night long. In the meantime, God is just working with him. And God is letting the go-getter get it out of his system. He's letting him go because in one moment, look what he does. He touches his hip. He just touches it. And Jacob becomes crippled. Jacob's now crippled. I read one commentator said that from here out, Jacob would walk with a limp the rest of his life. Wow. Wow. It'd be better to be in dependence upon God than to have everything that you thought that you needed. Verse 26, Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's wrestling with God says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And now look what God says to him. I love this. God says, And what is your name? You've just been wrestling with the God of the universe. And, and by the way, what is your name? You won't let me go until I bless you. I've just knocked your hip out of, out of socket, and you're not going to let me go until I bless you. What is your name? What was the last time that Jacob was asked, what is your name? How did he reply? My name is Esau. And now, God, it's not that God did not know his name. God knew his name. God wasn't asking for information from him. God was asking for him a confession. Who are you? I am Jacob. See, whenever we confess before God who we are, I am, I am weak. I need you. I can't do this without you. You are God. You're much bigger than I am, and I am dependent upon you. That's the place that God wants us. That's the place that God begins to work, and he begins to transform our life because you can't rely on your results. You can't rely on anything else. You can only rely on God. And when we come to that point, and this is the point, where I think that God is asking all of us to be. He's asking you today, what is your name? I am the God of the universe. I have all the power and all the might and all the strength, and things didn't go according to your plan, and you didn't get the results. What is your name? I am Jacob. And look what God does for him. He says, I am Jacob. 
Verse 28, I am Jacob, and he said, here, uh, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. This was the transformation power. When, God, when you see God give somebody a new name in the Bible, in his word, when he gives them a new name, that's the moment of transformation. So God was transforming him because Jacob finally said, I am no longer, I am no longer lying. I am Jacob. I am the go-getter. I've worked hard all my life, and it doesn't matter. I can't understand why things aren't going the right way. And God says, all right, you're no longer the go-getter. Your name is Israel. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. This morning I want to encourage you that the place that Jacob was, this is the place of dependence. I want you to think about what dependence really means. When you came in this morning, you sat down in that chair, and you didn't think twice about that chair. I didn't see anybody saying, well, I wonder if these chairs will hold me up, right? You came in, you sat down, you said, this chair is going to hold me up. Boom. That's dependence. We were in Ecuador. They have these, uh, these little white chairs. You know those ones that they sell down here at the Family Dollar, those white chairs? And our whole team was sitting in them. And I sat down on one, and, and I said, okay, I'm just going to really relax. And I sat back on that thing, and I was kind of leaning. You know how you lean between the wall and the chair, and all of a sudden, the two legs broke out from underneath of me. And, uh, and now, every time I go to Ecuador, they have a special chair for me, one with wooden legs, because they love me, right? Because they know I can't depend on a plastic chair. Listen, when you learn that God is there, He's not the plastic chair. He's the strong one. You can put everything in his hand. You can, you can rely on him. And when you stand there, uh, when you come in and you sit on God's chair, and you let him be the one that transforms you, wow. That's the point that God wants us to be. In closing this morning, I was, uh, I was encouraged by, I got a text this week from one of our parents, and he was telling me that how his kid was memorizing the Bible verses from downstairs. And, uh, and he was just so excited. There was just one problem that, that he, works, he works different shifts. And, and so his kid was coming and waking him up, telling him the Bible verse. And the Bible verse was from 2 Samuel, God's ways are perfect. And I love it because I, when I get a text like that, that just that makes my day. That is why we exist here. We want the kids to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. And I think that's a great verse to memorize. God's ways are perfect. So he, he was memorizing it. God's ways are perfect. So I learned a lesson this week from a three-year-old child. I walked down the hall, and Sharon Gamenda was down there, and she had her grandson Levi there. And Levi was helping her fold papers or something. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, Sharon, this is, I just had to tell somebody. This was so exciting. I said, hey, Sharon, let me tell you this. And I started reading this text, and I, and I said, 2 Samuel and Levi quoted off the reference, 2 Samuel, and he says, God's ways are perfect. I said, wow. I think Levi really believes that God's ways are perfect. And then I walked away from there and I said, do I? There's a three-year-old child that's learning God's word. It's ingrained in his heart, and he hasn't seen the heartache of life yet, has he? He hasn't seen how that if you run to third first, you'll, you can really make a mess of life. You can lose in so many areas. He hasn't had that yet, and he's already starting to believe that God's ways are perfect. And I started to look, and I started to say, wow, God, do we as adults believe that? And the answer is yes, we do. We do know that God's ways are perfect. But here's what happens when we try, we try to interpret life. We try to interpret circumstances. We try to interpret the result that we didn't get in light of God's ways. And all of a sudden, we think that God had, had left his throne for a moment. We think that God had set, went to sleep for a while, that God's not in charge. And let me say this, that God is in complete charge. God's ways are perfect. 
And if you'll depend on those perfect ways, he'll transform your life. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It doesn't mean that your ways are perfect. It means that God's ways are perfect. And as much as you come to him and say, God, I'm going to depend on you. I cannot manipulate life anymore. You can't do it. You see, the more you work at this, I've been around people who've worked and gotten results in their life, right? There are people that have gone after this, and they have had results. But they've missed so much more of life. And I've gotten around some people recently that told me they're, they were like in their 60s, and they said, you know what, there's a, there's a real danger. You, you, you work all your life for your goals, then you get there, and you met your goals, then it's not what it's cracked up to be. It's really empty. Why? Because I gave all my life for this result. In the meantime, God wants you to depend. And if we start a life of dependence... You'll take dependence and say, okay, God, you're my chair. I'm going to trust you because your ways are perfect. If you will start there, it will literally be revolutionary to your life. You'll be able to transform your job, transform your family, transform everything around you. It doesn't mean you're going to get the result. It doesn't mean you're going to get the raise or promotion. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to do anything you tell them to do. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that your wife will always think you're the best husband in the world. It means that you'll be depending on God and you will be transformed from the inside out. And you'll be able to handle all of life's circumstances, all of life's up and downs, because you'll understand that God is so much bigger. And like Jacob, you didn't earn his favor, but you have it. Wow. Have his favor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to a life of dependence upon Christ. I'd like to invite you to just depend on Him for who He is. He is God. His ways are perfect. Your ways are not perfect. You will stumble. You will fall. You will hit the ball, start heading to first, and then all of a sudden run to third. Or you'll run to second. You'll run all over the place. And then you'll get back on track and head, head on the right direction. But may I say this, that God's ways are perfect. You can trust a perfect God. You cannot trust human sources, human intelligence. You can trust the God of the universe. For His ways are perfect. And so today I invite you to start that relationship with God. If, if you have not yet surrendered, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I want to ask you this morning, would you surrender to Jesus today? Would you surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and say, God, I am not going to be the go-getter anymore. I'm not going to be the heel catcher. God, I'm going to be the depender. I need you today. Start that relationship with God. Maybe there are others in here that you have been following Christ for some time, but you've been running to third base. You haven't even thought about home base. You haven't even thought about the other bases. All you've thought about is the results in life. And that can happen so easily. But maybe God's drawing another picture in your life, something that you can't see, something that's bigger. And when you step back from the picture, one day, from eternity, we'll see what God is doing in your life right now. But may I invite you to depend on Him? Father God, I pray you'll be with each person in this place as they respond to the goodness of God, as we respond, Lord, to God's ways are perfect. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, please feel free to do so. Let's respond to the goodness of our God. This is my revelation, Christ Jesus crucified. Through repentance 